Welcome to Igniting the Fire Within, a limited series podcast presented by Wildfire Magazine and The Burn Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Emily Purcell. Each week for the next year, you'll hear an essay from our book read by the author. Igniting the Fire Within is a collection of stories of healing, hope, and humor, offering an insider's view into today's young breast cancer community. We compiled 50 essays from people diagnosed in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. There's medicine for each of us in these stories, whether you've been personally diagnosed with cancer or not. Wildfire stories in general, but especially the ones you'll hear from Igniting the Fire Within, are stories of transformation. Our storytellers experienced a shift in perspective as a result of something that happened to them. And the cancer diagnosis was not the thing that happened, or it wasn't the only thing. The cancer diagnosis was merely the catalyst for later changes that led our writers to understand the deep truths about the world. Each one of them learned lessons that showed them what it is to live, not just survive, in the glare of cancer. We believe deeply that the stories that change us aren't so much about what happened as they are about what came next. And hearing those stories, true stories of transformation, that's what ignites the fire within each of us. A listener note before we dive in, cancer is a salty business. Sometimes talking about it and the aftermath requires salty language. Listener discretion is advised. Today's storyteller is Anne Camden. Anne is a former partner in GNS Business Communications. At 38, she was diagnosed with stage 3 breast cancer. Then at 45, she was diagnosed with the second primary cancer this time lobular, in her left breast, along with a pericardial effusion, and the cancer had also spread to her bones. Now at 51, she's been diagnosed with leptomeningeal disease, which is the fluid of brain and spine, and many other organs. She is currently undergoing aggressive treatment. Her essay is called Riding Shotgun. Riding Shotgun. Confession. I love riding shotgun with my left hand on the top of Jeff's right thigh. He's driving and I'm calling out directions and selecting the soundtrack to punctuate both mundane errands and worldly adventures. In most facets of my life, I want to be wholly in charge. But in our truck, I cherish the opportunity to alternate my left hand between his thigh and the stereo while I shrug off the responsibility for getting us there and focus on finding lyrics that articulate our lives in ways that we can't. A few years into my terminal diagnosis, my husband very thoughtfully offered me the option to buy, quote, the car of my dreams. And it took me a few days of introspection to realize that the car of my dreams is the passenger seat of his pickup truck, as it was in the beginning and always will be until the end of our relationship. When we were dating, Jeff's white truck from the farm had a bench seat and dents in the door. His arms would rest on the back of the seat and I would slide into his shoulder as we sang along to the collections of meatloaf, Guns N' Roses, and George Strait cassette tapes from the glove box. We cuddled and made out before he dropped me off at my apartment across campus. There was strength in his arms as he held me, and I couldn't get enough. The thumping and beat of the music teased at budding sexual desires. As we exchanged stories about our families and explored our desires for life after college, I would steal a glimpse of his distinct profile from the corner of my eye. His jet black hair and bushy eyebrows rested high above the set of well-defined cheekbones, and I couldn't imagine life without him by my side. 
It was after a weekend visit to my Chicago apartment as he headed south on I-65 that he heard Casey Kasem read my letter as part of the long-distance dedication portion of his show. I dedicated somewhere out there to offer us a bit of comfort over our long-distance romance, knowing that we were both staring up at the same stars. Despite the cold, lonely winter and the cheesiness of the tune, it warmed me up to know that he was listening to the same song under the same stars just 150 miles away. I was grasping for ways to stay connected and when we were living very different lives. Jeff drove that same truck to the outskirts of Chicago on Valentine's Day in 1994. It was ridiculously cold and not terribly romantic as our noses drizzled on our scarves and jackets. Yet he dropped to one knee. I said yes, and we climbed back into the warmth of that truck. I was his brown-eyed girl by Van Morrison, and we sang along every time it came on the radio. It still makes me feel like I've been transported back to wearing his college sweatshirt and crazy in love. And now on our drives, my left hand boasted a shiny teardrop diamond when it rested on his Levi's 501 jeans. After the wedding, we relocated to the south in a green Ford F-150 with an extended cab that we bought from his dad. Too fancy for a couple of kids just starting out. The truck had a CD player and a sunroof, but it also had a big console that kept us apart physically. We held hands across the chasm as we learned the lyrics to Carolina Girls by local favorite chairman of the board. And we drove for hours trying to decipher the meaning of If I Had a Boat by Lyle Lovett and discussing what color pony it might be. Our music choices were light and bubbled out absurd dreamlike scenarios. In the confines of his truck, we escaped from our starter home and explored the mountains, the beach, and the cities in between. For our summer vacation in 2001, we packed it with kayaks, bikes, and a case of wine and headed to the Smoky Mountains as we sorted out our desires for a family in the future. For me, conversation comes easiest when I'm in the passenger seat and no one expects you to maintain eye contact. Without any distractions, it was easy to slowly unpack the issues that were weighing on us the most and I could stare out the window when the tears were rolling down my face as we pivoted to southern bluegrass and old hymns. I was sure he couldn't see my pain. During that winter, we drove back and forth to the fertility clinic so much that we earned a reserve parking space along the front of the building. It was when Alison Krause's love song, When You Say Nothing At All, that assured me that Jeff was there to catch me as we faced years of disappointment. There were always Kleenex in the car to wipe away our tears. He held the door open for me after one milestone appointment, and I noticed that a few gray hairs had invaded his sideburns, and a couple of random happy tears raced down his cheek as we prepared both physically and emotionally to become parents. By the end of pregnancy, I was 48 inches around the middle and could barely launch myself into the truck without his hand lifting me up on my butt. We upgraded to a lariat with a full back seat and a four-wheel drive for driving on the beach. With less hair to protect his head, Jeff pulled a ball cap over his salt and pepper hair and cruised our twin girls along the interstate to lull them to sleep listening to Peter and the Wolf, a Russian children's opera. Their car seats jammed against each other as they kicked the back of our seats as they belted out the wheels on the bus. We were all in on makeshift karaoke. 
In the coziness of the truck, the girls learned to talk, and our conversations evolved to discussing current events at school, studying for homework before practice, and grabbing a milkshake to celebrate an accomplishment on the ball field or in the classroom. When we hired sitters, we'd drive by the house after dinner, and if the lights were still on, we'd drive out of town to the lake and sit in a parking lot, just watching the stars and talking with the lights of the dashboard illuminating our faces, way more romantic than candles. As we eased into our 40s, we'd flirt and sing along to our favorite mashup, All Summer Long by Kid Rock, while reminiscing about our romantic adventures and working ourselves up into a verbal foreplay. Other nights, we'd feel our age and wrinkles and sing poignant tunes and another local favorite, the Abbott Brothers. Ironically, If I Get Murdered in the City became a favorite until it felt like foreshadowing. The lyrics, If I Get Murdered in the City, Go read the letter in my desk. Don't worry with all my belongings, but pay attention to the list. Make sure my sister knows I loved her. Make sure my mother knows the same. And always remember, there is nothing worth sharing like the love that lets us share our name. Shortly after my terminal diagnosis, Jeff offered to upgrade my sedan for the car of my dreams. And after two or three test drives, it occurred to me that my favorite car is the passenger seat of his truck, just like it was in the beginning when we were dating. We selected a top-of-the-line dark blue Ford F-150. Color didn't matter. I just wanted to be in the passenger seat while Jeff drives us on mundane errands and exciting adventures. Our first task was to sync our phones and playlists to DJ our adventures, even if the volume is a little quieter these days and it's often Christian rock. I can barely reach his soft-faded Levi's across the giant cabinet between our temperature-controlled bucket seats, but I still love to study his profile as he navigates us from adventure to adventure. His hair is gray, and my hand is swollen from treatments so that I can barely wear my diamond ring. It is the place that pulls us together, more than our kitchen table, our couch, or even our queen-size bed. We are most connected when we are riding down the road, reaching across the console to hold hands, singing words that we can't speak. Once my hair started to grow back and the nausea was better, in the green shadows of the dashboard, I asked Jeff, if you knew that I'd be terminal by 45, would you still marry me? I pretended I was watching out the window, but I could see his reflection in the darkness. The muscles in my neck and arms were imprisoned by stress, and it hurt to turn toward him. Truthfully, I wasn't sure how I would answer if the roles were reversed. Jeff reached across the gap to grasp my swollen hand and reassured me that he'd ask again, without hesitation. And I have never felt so loved and grateful for my husband. I could feel his love radiate through my body as I acknowledged his response with a deep kiss. Cancer is rough on marriage, and I'm not sure I'll ever have the courage to ask him again. We still have a lot of ground to cover as we prepare for what cancer adventures lie ahead. For now, it's rides to monthly shots, quarterly scans, and whatever else lands me back in the matrix of healthcare. Eventually, I'll want his help to build my final playlist with Jeff on my left in the driver's seat and me in the passenger seat, even if we're just sitting in the driveway, too tired to go anywhere. My heart breaks for this season when Jeff will turn on his radio and hear, Will the circle be unbroken? It might be Johnny Cash or Greg Allman or Ralph Stanley, and the passenger seat will be empty. And I hope he cranks the volume hard to the right, 
reaches for where my hand should be, and sings loud and off-key, knowing that I'm at my better home awaiting in the sky. There's a certain level of intimacy that comes from riding in close quarters. Maybe it's the focus on moving forward, combined with the glow of the dashboard and constantly changing shadows. But somehow, that small space strips away distractions and allows us to settle into a place of vulnerability with nowhere to escape from ourselves. I suspect there will be a day that Jeff is going to find someone else to ride shotgun for adventures, and that's okay. After all, as Kip Moore sings, there's something about a truck. I'm Emily Purcell, and you've been listening to Igniting the Fire Within, a limited series podcast by Wildfire Magazine and The Burn. Check us out at wildfirecommunity.org to order your copy of the book so you can read along each week. You'll also find our magazine and storytelling workshops there. Big thanks to our producer, Bill Smith of Shoe Production, and our production assistant, Monica Haro. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. If you like what you hear, tell your best friend, tell your mom, tell your oncologist. I mean, really tell everyone you know. Or head into your podcast app and leave us a starred review to help others find their way to igniting their own fire within. <laughs>